Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. Here we go. It is a Thursday. Josh Ward will join us for a fantastic conversation. Gambling picks as well. Today's tough question involves recruiting and more. Tennessee, South Carolina, the ball's most important game of the year for recruiting purposes. I'm going to take it a step further after our 3.45 a.m. meeting. I think it's even more important than that. And also a top Tennessee offensive, a top offensive line prospect considering Tennessee cancels his trip to Oklahoma and will take an unofficial visit to the Vols this weekend. Is that a big deal? I'll go ahead and answer that. The answer is an absolute yes. Caleb, you ready to get rolling this morning? Let's get rolling, Dave. Let's absolutely do it. And it starts with, what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton has canceled his official visit to Oklahoma this weekend. Will visit Tennessee instead. That, according to Josh Newberg, Seaton also plans to take an official visit with the Vols later this fall. You ask if this was a big deal. I will say this is a monster deal. I think it is absolutely huge. And I think the fact that you would take an unofficial uh, instead of an official to any school is a big, big deal, especially South Carolina. This isn't Georgia, which sometimes you'll see prospects change their plans because of premier games. So let's say Tennessee, Alabama last year, I could see somebody doing this and rescheduling their official visit to Oklahoma. But I think Tennessee is in good with another offensive lineman and they're in good with an, a, a lot of offensive linemen, which I want to get to. How big of a deal is this? Do you believe for Tennessee in the recruiting world Caleb Calhoun? I'm with you. I think this is a huge deal and you're right. People would bring up that, Oh, it's because it's not like, it's not like this is the Tennessee Alabama game that they're canceling Oklahoma, Iowa state for. It's this Tennessee, South Carolina game, which is a big deal from the perspective of the two schools, but it's not a game that stops the national college football world. You know what I mean? So he's doing this for an unofficial visit. And for the record, Jordan Seaton tweeted out in response, an interesting line, which is he said, the only orange I like when he mentioned. Oh, so, now I know Oklahoma is not orange, but that but eliminates they- a lot of But it's made up of, if you go back to your combination of colors in elementary school, it's kind of made up of red. Orange is made up of what? Red and yellow. So maybe yeah. sort of. No, nah, I'm reaching. I learned that from watching Barney. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take a look at this for a second. I, I, I want you to break down and pull up all the schools he's looking at. And I know you know off the top of your head. But first, let's take a look at Tennessee's class, okay? Because I want to use this as a backdrop. 
Andre Carrick didn't work. Okay. Andre Carrick as a transfer to the SEC did not work. I know he came from Texas. It didn't work. Was he a cast off? Not willing to go that far, but it hasn't worked. You're going to have to be good on the offensive line through high school recruiting, not the transfer portal. I believe that, and I don't believe John Campbell's been great either. I believe that more than any other position. So look at where Tennessee stands right now, this visit notwithstanding. Bennett Warren, four-star, offensive tackle out of Texas, six foot seven and a half, 330 pounds. Those are kids that are coming out of college, ready to uh, coming out of high school, ready to play in college physically. As far as the the other ones that Tennessee has, Max Anderson, an offensive tackle, again, Texas, four-star, Frisco, Texas. Those are two four-star offensive linemen that Tennessee has lined up. If you add this young man to the mix, boy, you've got something special brewing on your offensive line. And as somebody told me within Tennessee's football program, you need the guys like Cade Mays that step on campus, and he was ready to play at Georgia. He was ready to play when he transferred to Tennessee. The guy was ready to play in high school. Those are the guys you need. You don't need the guys. No offense, Ollie Lane. You don't need the guys that you have to grow into players. Now, can you take an occasional Cooper Mays who has to gain weight before he's ready because he plays with tenacity? Absolutely. And look what he's become, an all-SEC player. But when I look at this kind of move uh, by this young man who's willing to go to Tennessee, I think it says a couple of things. I think it says that Tennessee's coaches are saying, you got a chance to play and you got a chance to play right away because this offensive line is struggling. Who all else is he uh, looking at? Uh, please hit the like and subscribe button. We love it when people are waiting uh, there in the morning. Absolutely appreciate you beyond words. Be sure and support our sponsors. And this recruiting update is brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Uh, real estate experts over four decades combined experience. Again, they're right below. Support our sponsors, best prices and best service. It's that simple. If you go with anybody but Andy Mason in Knoxville, you're crazy. All right. As a matter of fact, uh, our own Tracy Morgan would say, oh, no, he wouldn't. He would say this. That's crazy. Okay. So go with AndyMasonRealEstate.com. All right, Caleb, tell me about this young man that is going to be taking his unofficial to Tennessee, not for the Alabama game, not for the Georgia game, but for the South Carolina game. I think it's monstrous news out of the shoot. Yes, particularly versus Oklahoma. Now, I'm going to give a caveat here. His most recent list of top schools included 14 schools. Only four of them have home games this weekend. So, bit of a drop-off. So, one of them is Oklahoma has a home game. He spurned them for an unofficial visit to Tennessee. The other one is Colorado and USC. Now, again, Dion, we've talked about the force he is on the recruiting trail. And so, you would think this would be a game to go take an unofficial visit to Colorado. USC coming to town, and he's still choosing Tennessee, South Carolina. I mean... That's kind of a big deal. And the other one, and this is just a local factor. He's from D.C., 
Maryland is playing Indiana at home right up the road this week, and Maryland's in his top 14, too. He's not going to Maryland, Indiana, either. He's so, on Maryland. Maryland's on the list because he's nearby. Uh, probably so. You're right. Uh, <laughs> my, my, well, Mike Loxley has done a good job at Maryland of, like, more than other coaches getting local talent. Um, remember, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, had committed to Mike Loxley at Maryland in 2015 before Loxley left. So kind of an interesting connection he has there. Maryland was um, going to make a push with Under Armour money until they realized that Under Under Armour money was about one one hundredth of Nike money. And Nike, yeah, that was their mistake. Yeah, yeah and they were trying to be the Oregon of the East, right? And it's not just Oregon. Tennessee is a Nike school, so you would rather be tied into Nike than Under Armour. Sorry, and and I actually and I know that because I covered that time for ESPN when Under Armour tried to make a strong push and become the pseudo or next nike so that obviously didn't happen uh but continue with your breakdown of this young man yeah so those are the three or those are the four oklahoma oklahoma maryland colorado and tennessee that are in his top 14 that have home games this weekend spurning colorado and oklahoma for tennessee to go to an unofficial visit to tennessee is a big deal and that's not a locational thing because yes dc is closer to tennessee than colorado but let's be honest, Dave, on these unofficial visits, someone's probably still flying you out, aren't they? And- well, yeah, somebody's flying you out. But here's, here's the other thing to remember. And, yeah, somebody's flying you out or they're finding the absolute cheapest tickets or they're giving you points or something and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting flown out. I think he's pulling out the Jordan Seaton credit card and, and paying for his own trip. So, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think you should be able to take unlimited official visits quite personally um, because it's the biggest decision in your life. And I can tell you if uh, let's just say 10.79 the game in Los Angeles and 104.5 in Houston uh, one and 790 AM in St. Louis, one to hire me, there wouldn't be a limitation of five visits that I could take. I would be able to go in an open market society and take whichever visits I wanted to take. So they should be able to fly them out. And if they're finding ways around it, they're good for Tennessee, good for any school because it's good for the prospects. I'll always side with the prospects, but I think this is monster. And this is news that just broke right before we went on the air. So I think it's huge. Good eye by you. Uh, but Tennessee is going to have to build its offensive line through high school recruiting. I was talking to somebody within the program, and they talked about losing Darnell Wright, Jeremiah Crawford, from last year. And then they talked about the potential. They still have Jeremiah Crawford. You mean Jerome Carvin. Jerome Carvin, excuse me. And it's the JCs um, that mix me up and not Jesus Christ. My initials are JC too, so. Yes. Okay, so. And they lose those guys. So they're going to lose uh, Cooper Mays, theoretically. Now, he does have another year left. This, But when I was having this conversation in the offseason, you lose a Cooper Mays um, because he wanted to go to the NFL. We don't know what's going to happen with the injury, whether or not he might come back for another year. He does have another year of eligibility. So who else would you lose from this offensive line this year? You – could lose don't you lose jeremiah crawford i mean again it's so confusing with COVID. so jeremiah crawford cooper mays as far as starting i mean that's maybe javante spragans but he could be back mays and spragans i think could both be back next year if they want to i don't know if spragans should look i think javante spragans could start in the nfl tomorrow if here's the quote that somebody gave me from within the program 2024 on the offensive line is when it gets dicey 
because the guys that you've gone after, like Addison Nichols, and I don't want to use him as a target, but they have not developed to where they need to be. And you try to fill those holes with, with the Andre Carrigs and the John Campbells of the world, mixed results on John Campbell, bad results on Andre Carrick, who did not at all grade well from, from what I'm told. And just so you know, this isn't from Cooper Mace, okay? So everybody thinks that everything we get is from Cooper and Jacob. I know how to work sources, and it's not from them. So just so you know. But it, it they said this quote, 2024, that's when it gets dicey. You cannot depend on the transfer portal on the offensive line. Maybe at other positions, we'll see. I've got my question marks about that, too, now that we've seen Dante Thornton. But on the offensive line in particular, Caleb, you've got to have guys progress that bring you that you bring up through the system. You better not have an offensive line that's dependent on two or three transfer portal guys because it ain't going to work. Yes, and here's the big point with the transfer portal. You got, you and John Adams brought this up Tuesday, and I've come around to y'all. There's, I, I want to add a caveat, but with the transfer portal, one, you still have to scout talent because your best transfer portal guys are really good players at smaller schools that were just misevaluated on the recruiting trail and deserve a shot at a higher program. That's clearly the that's clearly where you get the best transfer portal players. The other situation for transfer portal players, now this is in general, there are exceptions. Hendon Hooker was an exception to everything I'm saying. But the other type of transfer portal player is they're at a big school, but they would like to play as freshmen or sophomores. They see a chance to play early at another school not that they got beat out. Like we're looking at Andre Carrick and Dante Thornton. They weren't waiting their turn at Oregon and Texas. They just got beat out by their, for their jobs. I mean, that's well, just that simple. And actually, well, actually Dante Thornton was waiting out his turn and a player ahead of him got injured is why he got to play, but still he wasn't overly effective. He had like 250 yards and a touchdown. Maybe we're part of the problem in overhyping Dante Thornton, but I don't. I think your transfer rate. I've said this in in high school recruiting, guys. I think that your your success rate in high school football recruiting is always fifty percent. You go back and look at almost any class. There are aberrations, like Lane Kiffin's two thousand nine class, that was a bunch of felons. But you look at pretty much any class. Twelve out of 25, 12 to fourteen are contributors. The other dudes aren't. And it's almost by the board. I'm to the point, now I don't have enough of a track record. I want to continue to see this, but I'm to the point where I think the transfer portal might be 25 25% are successful, 75% aren't. I'm about which to makes that it, point. Which makes it totally different from like the free agent market in the NFL because I feel like high-profile free agents are the 75-25, honestly. And, and this is where it's different. The free agent market in the transfer portal, it's not that their contract is up at a school and they're looking for a big deal. It's that they couldn't get the playing time they wanted at the school. That still applies even in the age of NIL. And that's what we're kind of seeing. And by the way, you talked about it with John Calipari saying, what is what did he said? Tripping over nickels, chasing dollars. Um, chasing millions. Like chasing millions. Chasing millions. Yes. Think about this for a minute. If your North Star is just the NIL checks in college and not your NFL potential, you may not be as dedicated to work hard for your NFL draft slot. Thank you. You remember the saying used to be when, probably when you were young, but definitely when I was young, if I had a million dollars at 18 and I invested it properly, I would never have to work again. Sorry, okay. inflation kids, a million dollars ain't what it used to be. I mean, it's a good <laughs> chunk of cash and you and I aren't going to turn it down. 
but we're probably still going to come to work on Monday, right? Yeah, it, I mean, exactly. I would put that million dollars away. I pay off my debts and put it away. I've thought about this in my head a lot. I'm like, okay, student <laughs> loan debts, debts here, debts there. Cover these things and then put the rest away and don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, it's like me when, um, yeah, when I think about, man, what am I going to do when I win the lottery? Guess how many lottery tickets I've bought in my lifetime? How many? Zero. I, I'm, I'm not going to win the lottery because I don't buy them. But I do appreciate those that do because it pays for our children's education. Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. At least in Tennessee, that's where the money's supposed to go. Here we go. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, Caleb brought this up in the 3.45 a.m. production meeting, and I got to be honest with you, I, I rethought it afterwards, Caleb, so I'm going to throw a left curve at you, uh, a left hook, a curve ball at you, whatever you want to call it. Is Tennessee, South Carolina, the ball's most important game of the year for recruiting purposes? That is today's tough question. I'm going to change it. Is it even more important than that? And I'm going to tell you why it is. It's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume. For your first 15 days when you sign up, promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with a up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better gambling problem call 1-800-889-9789 must be 21 and over and in tennessee to bet it's bigger than just the most important game of the year for recruiting purposes it's the most important game of the year period in the discussion and i'm going to tell you why if tennessee drops this one they've already lost to florida they will be underdogs against alabama and georgia you are looking at a potential four-loss SEC team if things don't get back on track on Saturday. I think it is monstrous. Why don't you address the recruiting aspect of it first and why you think it's so important? We went over that in the 3.45 a.m. production meeting. Um, it is monstrous from a recruiting standpoint because Tennessee, as the Celebrate 98 series will attest, was at their best when they recruited the Carolinas. So take me down that path with those that don't know. Well, it's half and that and half what you just said. I mean, the first half, just to add on what you just said, if they beat, if they lose to South Carolina, you're going to lose to Alabama and Georgia and you're pushing seven and five. You're, you're fighting to not be seven and five or six and six, which would just wreck you on the recruiting trail in general and wreck all the momentum you had that Josh Heifel built. So it's already the most important game of the year. I agree for that reason. Now, on recruiting specifically with South Carolina, look, guys, Tennessee is in a rare opportunity to really, really cash in. Clemson is struggling as a football program. I mean, we're seeing a program that's dramatically on the decline. I think Dabo Swinney did himself no favors railing against NIL and refusing to go into the transfer portal. And by the way, he can't get his credibility back with recruits. Dave, you know this. Like The minute you lose your credibility, you, you really don't get it back. That red flag is there forever. So 
Clemson is sliding and they are sliding fast. Believe me. South Carolina is still a wild card. Their win over Tennessee last year literally saved the program and kept it afloat. I mean, Shane Beamer might've been fired by the end of last year. I'm not sure he would have been, but they got about four blue chip recruits specifically because of how they finished the season last year, period, end of story. They wouldn't have gotten them. And two of them would have ended up in Tennessee at, at a bare minimum. So South Carolina, they are there's Tennessee needs to not just beat them. They need to send the program into a death spiral because if they could, they need to beat the brakes off them. I mean, blow them out. Let everybody know last year was a fluke because Tennessee and Josh Heupel need to make it clear that they are the better program. Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer took over the same year in 2021. Tennessee cannot let South Carolina get competitive because with Clemson sliding, if they beat South Carolina handily, South Carolina is Tennessee's place for the taking. They can go in there and they can have the, they can pick their litter of recruits. And more importantly than that, I think eventually the SEC is going to do the pod system, the three SEC teams that you play permanently and six rotating teams. All signs point to South Carolina being one of the teams Tennessee plays annually. And if that happens, Tennessee needs to make sure that South Car- that it's very clear South Carolina is not on their level. One of the things that destroyed Tennessee in the 2000s, Mark Rick going to Georgia was the biggest. I think you would agree with me that on that, Dave, right? That, that probably did the most damage to Tennessee recruiting. They couldn't pick pocket Georgia anymore the way they could. True. And he was a good enough coach that they, that they won their fair share of games, too. Exactly, which is why they were able to kind of close off the pipeline Tennessee built. What also hurt Tennessee? Lou Holtz going to South Carolina, and then Steve Spurrier going to South Carolina, and Dabo Sweeney building up Clemson. By the 2010s, Steve Spurrier and Dabo Sweeney are both rolling, icing out South Carolina. Georgia is Georgia. Where was Tennessee going to go for recruiting? That's why the 2010s, that is the biggest reason the 2010s was a decade of dysfunction. They couldn't recruit South Carolina and Georgia. Hey, I want to bring out a comment from sc scout guy because i I think he's one of our better commenters um he said caleb uh stop talking nonsense there is zero chance shane was even close to being fired i I, i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna back my guy here uh caleb calhoun i think that it was maybe a little bit closer than you think not fired but at least going into the offseason on the hot 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 seat before the tennessee and clemson game maybe that's a common ground we have sc scout guy yeah, I would, I would, you're right. I, I wouldn't say he was going to be fired last year, but I do think there would have been a put up or shut up moment because South Carolina would have finished six and seven had they not won those two games. And six and seven Shane Beaver's second year would have been a really bad look because guys, they were looking really bad before that Tennessee game. I will never forget how low morale was surrounding South Carolina before the Tennessee game, quite honestly. It it, it was one of the best turnarounds for a program I'd, I'd seen it. I give them credit for that. But yeah, it's, and, and it, it it did it did a number on Tennessee. They lost Mazio Bennett specifically because of that game. I mean, there's no question about it. We are in the first, we're past the first quarter, so quarterly grades are out, and we've done that. But Josh Ward points out some players that, man, they got to step up their game. And I imagine Dante Thornton's going to be on this list. He joins us in exactly 90 seconds with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need 
in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or a guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. So, one more comment. <clears throat> from SCC, SC Scout guy. Dave, I totally disagree on that Beamer would have been in the hot seat. We may have to agree to disagree on this. You don't realize how badly Muschamp left this program. He was getting five years regardless. I don't think anybody gets five years. The fan base absolutely loves Shane Beamer. Should have loved his wife because uh, he really outkicked his coverage. But uh, SC Scout guy, I totally appreciate where you're coming from. Um, you bring a lot to the message board. Man, I just it seemed to be going really south before the Tennessee game. Josh Ward, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? Where are you? You got like some sort of neat background or something, or are you the you look like you're at the uh, I don't know maybe the top of Thompson Bowling Arena. I'm trying to figure this out. What do you got going on at Food City Center? Uh, to be clear, uh, yeah. Oh, hanging. I'm sorry. By the way. Maybe somebody with the last name Bowling reached out to Dave and wasn't too pleased about Food City Center. Maybe that'll be on offthehooksports.com oh. before long. Oh, interesting. Uh, hanging out in the office, the studio, where we do our show. All right. Yeah, great stuff. All right. You can check Josh out from noon to three. Uh, he is fantastic. We love him. And his articles are brilliant on offthehooksports.com. What do you think about that? Brilliant. It's pretty good. Uh, I would endorse that. <laughs> I would apply. So, uh, which balls need to uh, step it up? Let's uh, go through these. You had Dante Thornton. I don't know if you had the. Did you have these listed in order of? Hey, really get your bleep together, or was it uh, alphabetical or reverse order? How did you list them? Yeah, it's somewhat weighted. Uh, I thought Dante Thornton was pretty obvious. So that's why I kind of led the the article with him because he came in with so much hype and he is so physically gifted. A guy with his size that can run the way that he can and the way that Tennessee talked about Dante Thornton. The opening press conference of fall camp for Joey Halsley, he's talking about the great athleticism and uh, freaky talent of Dante Thornton and earlier in the summer when Phil Steele came on our radio show and we asked him is there a, a player to watch to really 
emerge for Tennessee this year. And he didn't hesitate. He said, oh, yeah, Dante Thornton. And that came from talking to Tennessee. Actually, he talked to Joey Halsley as well. And again, you can see Halsley or you excuse me, you can see Thornton run and do everything that would excite a coach. But he just hasn't made the plays on the field. Uh, he He's shown glimpses. The play that he made after not making a play against Florida, they went right back to him, and, and Joe Milton delivered a perfect ball for, uh, I think, a 43-yard gain against the Gators. But a drop against Austin P. they got him benched and just not stepping up and making big plays. This offense needs big plays, and Thornton has the physical talent to deliver that. Josh's appearance brought to you in part <clears throat> by our friends at the Hemp House, Hemp House Chat. Dot com hemp house c-h-a-t-t dot com the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in cbd or delta products and they put this together for us the big orange crunch which i believe josh consumes on a daily basis is what i'm told hemp house chat with two t's dot com uh maybe not but it, they're, they're good for relaxing go ahead and get on there and uh, use the promo code Here's what somebody told me, and this was a weird comment, because I'm looking at Dante Thornton's um, age. So he was born in November 30th, 2022. So how old is he right now? Somebody do the math. 2022, don't you mean 2002? 2002, yes. He was was born last year. He's almost a year old. Yeah, in that case, he's overachieved, in my opinion. But uh, (laughs) November 2002, so he's about to turn 21. Okay. Somebody told me, I didn't realize he was so young. And I wonder if this guy's still developing physically. Um, And this is more of a long-term type of player as a transfer, as opposed to a guy that's going to fill an immediate need, a la uh, Jalen Hyatt. So, that, that that at least got me thinking that better days might be ahead, Josh. I didn't realize he was that young. Did you? I mean, is that that young? Um, I, I I definitely give him a chance to grow and develop as a player. But, I mean, he's been in the Pac-12 playing for a high-level program in Oregon for a couple of years and uh, has been at Tennessee the last few months. I mean, about to turn 21, there are a lot of players that are younger than him. Now, it's a weird time in college where, yeah, there are some 24 and 25-year-olds out there. I get that. But... Uh, I don't view that as that young in college sports. Well, that's that was my other thing. I mean, he's right. Maybe, I think he's he's average age probably for his class, right? Yeah, maybe. That was the other thing that made me wonder. Maybe he's a little bit immature. Maybe I just um, I, I wonder if to this point, because really we're I mean, the Austin P game, that's not a big stage uh I, I do wonder has has the stage the the expectation of the program that's a big stage no matter the game is that a little bit too much I wondered when he arrived at Tennessee why didn't he do more at Oregon uh he he averaged more than 21 yards per catch there last year and he had some big plays but not a high volume and I wondered why my expectation was, hey, this offense that Tennessee runs, he's just going to be running wide open. He'll catch the ball. But uh, he just – it hasn't been there for him. And the offense itself is the next guy on the list is the guy that's leading it of players that need to step up and, and be better. The, the performance to this point has been disappointment is, uh, disappointing as Joe Milton. So there are a number of 
players where they all need to come together. But if Thornton's better, Joe Milton is better. Joe Milton although also has to be better, and that's in a number of areas. Um, Decision making. You know, sometimes I'm not sure what he's seen. He's also made some plays. Was like, well, that's why everybody can't wait to watch him play football. But uh, yeah, for for Thornton, I don't, uh, I can't explain why he's made the mistakes that he has. But he has to, he has to eliminate those, or he's probably going to lose his spot on the field. Josh, uh, I'm going to skip over Milton to go to the next guy because we've, I think we've, we, we've, we've discussed Milton at length and in a lot of different ways. Before I get there. I, I want to point out with Thornton, you brought up that third down pass. You're right. That was a perfect dime by Joe Milton. And I don't think Thornton was recruited to only catch dimes. I think he was recruited to actually be able to make plays on maybe overthrows or things like that. And the thing that makes me, that annoys me before I move on is I don't see the effort there. I see the opposite with the next guy on your list. And I want to know what you think, which is John Campbell Jr. Which is, I see the effort with John Campbell Jr. I just feel like he's making a lot of, mental mistakes maybe just struggling to pick up the offense is that what you're seeing with him at left tackle or do you think it's deeper than that I don't I haven't sensed any kind of effort issue no uh with John Campbell Jr uh he had a tough evening in um Gainesville and yeah that's part of the part of the challenge here in some ways is that Tennessee's played one real game out of four uh so a lot of it's going to be weighted in how that game went in my opinion uh so here's the next test against an SEC team. But Campbell had this this block that got everybody excited, went viral. Former former linemen are sharing it on Twitter and should have, uh, where he drove a Virginia linebacker who didn't see Campbell coming and got everybody fired up. But Virginia's terrible. So what you do against Florida, what you do in the SEC is going to matter in the Austin P game. Again, it comes back to that because that game shouldn't have mattered until it did because they were playing so poorly and the offensive line performance – over the last few weeks, most notably Florida, but Austin P as well, which is not good enough. So, yeah, maybe it's understanding the offense. Part of it could just be physically uh, losing battles, especially in that Florida game. But Campbell in August was getting some talk. Remember, this this is all behind the scenes. Nobody's seeing practice. So word starts to come out, man, watch for Dante Thornton. Man, watch for John Campbell. We, we've solidified that left tackle spot with him coming in. NFL teams need to watch out. And I assure you, NFL teams have not been impressed by what they've seen. But uh, I do like Campbell's attitude. I do uh, believe that he cares about playing high-level football at Tennessee to try to get to the next level in the NFL. So I don't think effort's an issue. Performance just needs to be better. Yeah, and I want to say this. Offensive linemen oftentimes look like they are not giving effort when they're unsure. So I'm very hesitant to question offensive linemen and effort because if you're unsure it looks like you don't play with effort which i think are two totally different things uh elijah Herring, is it fair though before is it fair for me to question dante thornton's effort the way i did though before we move on because i haven't seen him fight for balls yes different position totally fair <laughs> <laughs> elijah totally fair i got no problem with that elijah herring at linebacker um he just continues to have he played well last week but you know, the Keenan Pilly thing is what was an issue. They didn't want to lose him. I would put him right up at the, t- the top of the second tier of players you didn't want to lose behind maybe Milton and Cooper Mays, or they did lose Cooper Mays. But uh, Elijah Herring, I think that um, he's going to end up being a very good player. They need him to be a very good player like September 28th, September 29th, September 30th. Yeah. Uh, if we want to talk about effort, 
never an issue with Elijah Herring. He Amen. sometimes like, hey, you don't need to give as much effort, man. You can save it for the next play. Uh, for him, it's just he's continuing to learn the position. And I do think that we found out that the excitement about the depth at linebacker was overblown in August. And maybe part of that was, well, by midseason, these guys will be ready. But we found out that Tennessee needed that depth to show up by week two. And there have been some challenging moments for Elijah. But again, his effort is there. Thought he played better against UTSA. Let's see against South Carolina. I'm sure that the Gamecocks will try to find ways to get him in uh, mismatches in the passing game and see if they can take advantage, see if they can get him out of position uh, in a number of different ways, uh, like Florida was able to do. And uh, that that goes for Herring and, and other defenders too. But Aaron Beasley, I think, is a really good player for Tennessee, also a max effort guy and somebody that Herring can learn from. I'm sure that he's he's talked to Pooley and tried to learn from him as, as well as linebackers coach Brian Jean-Marie. And maybe Herring goes out and plays really well on Saturday. I wouldn't even be surprised to see, see that happen. But his performance the last few weeks is a reminder that, okay, depth is still a work in progress at linebacker. And Dave, you're right. They're hoping that that progress shows up this week. Caleb, would you like to ask about Kamal Hatton as Josh broadcast from the Starship Enterprise? <laughs> I was going to bring up I Kamal love Hatton. The drop. Josh, do you think it's I look? There's the missed tackle Kamal Hatton had, but he only had one. He only allowed one catch on four targets against Florida. Do you think part of the annoyance that people have with Kamal Hatton is how much he talks when he's on the field and how much he jaws? Is he almost like the? the college football version of Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, probably because <laughs> like, like Dylan Brooks, you know, Haddon can make plays. Dylan Brooks is a solid NBA player. Nobody wants to hear NBA, NBA talk, I'm sure, but people are talking about him like, okay, well, he's going to have to go play overseas. Like, no, he, he's going to get an $80 million contract to play. Uh, Kamal Haddon, a lot of the, we, I'm still getting daily messages saying, Haddon's not going to play this week, right? It's like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to start just like he did this past week. The The coaches still believe he's one of the top corners on this team. That could be an indictment on the group. I get that. But Haddon has playmaking ability. But the South Carolina game last year, when he's playing poorly, the team is getting demolished, and he's talking a lot of trash. Nobody's going to like that. And then the effort or lack thereof against Florida, that's going to upset a lot of people and should. But, you know, the, the reaction of, okay, well, then just play one of the freshmen. You know, sometimes that can lead to even more problems, uh, not fix them. So he needs to play uh, more consistent. And, yeah, if he's not playing well, definitely doesn't need to be talking up to the other, other side of the field. But Haddon's a very important player. That's why he's on the list. He, he needs to be better, more consistent. But Tennessee needs him to be better and more consistent because he's going to be out there on the field. You include Dylan Sampson, but you start with a slap of big asterisks on this one. Big asterisk. Yeah, it's it, it's not Dylan Sampson's fault. He's not playing well. I thought Tennessee against Florida just he got lost in the shuffle, which is inexcusable. Yeah, and that's why I, I put him at the bottom of the list, too, because Dylan would be more of an example of the excitement of what the offense would be during the offseason and during the conversation in August. Dylan's lack of opportunity at times really we're talking about the florida game uh but also austin p i think he had four touches in that game is is part of the conversation and that's why what he did against virginia with with more of a chance and then this past week is a reminder that he has to be involved in the offense so none of it is dylan's fault as far as i'm aware i'm not aware of anything off the field that kept him from playing against florida 
coaches just didn't include him. And we've covered that. That was a mistake. So as long as that mistake is righted, there is a chance for more explosion in the offense because Dylan has big playmaking ability. So the disappointment is not in Dylan. The disappointment is in him being on the sideline. Yeah. Let me ask you from what you hear, because you're on remotes, you're 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 out there and you take phone calls uh, more than we do, I would imagine. And what do you hear from the community about Joe Milton just in general? Uh, I feel like there's uh, a back and forth. There's the there's the side that is like, well, he's just not going to get it done. And people have decided that. There is also the side that wants to defend and in in some ways will go over the top in defending him and ignoring some of the responsibility on Joe's side as well for where the offense is at this point. So I find him to be a polarizing subject at this point in the season among Tennessee fans. Uh, That's whether I'm talking to friends of mine who are big Tennessee fans or whether we're taking calls or we have a text box where messages come in where, Fans can hit us up anytime, and I find him to be polarizing in how fans view how he's played through four games. The most polarizing since Casey Clawson, maybe. Um, I don't. I thought Dobbs was pretty polarizing. A lot of people have forgotten how much they didn't want him to play at times. So uh, Dobbs, I thought was. I, I'd I'd say Joe's more polarizing. Dobbs to this point though had also accomplished more. He was a better player, to be clear, than Joe. So I don't know. I just uh, because because of Joe's hype and Joe's talent, but the lack of results to this point, and a five-star freshman behind him on the depth chart, plus the social media era, it's always difficult to compare somebody now versus pre-social media. Sure, I mean, J- Joe is right there at the top. Okay, so Josh, what about? I mean, I'm going to go more recent. I thought Jared Garantano was pretty darn polarizing. Or was that it polarizing? I think maybe everybody just wanted him benched. I don't know. Yeah, but. maybe for a short window of time. The problem is it became too over the top in the hate of Jared Garantano because, you know, part of it with the depth chart, it was the opposite of this situation. We were to, I know there was Harrison Bailey as last year, but it started before that, 20, uh, what, 2019 when there's Brian Maurer and JT Shrout and fans were too many fans were saying, no, just play the other guys. And I tried to explain, I understand your problems with Jarrett, but the backup options are worse. They are worse options. And it had nothing to do with Jarrett at that point. Uh, It's just no play, play somebody else. Or I guess it was all about Jarrett. So uh, yeah, for a short period of time, Jarrett was polarizing. And then so many people were just out. Uh, Josh's appearance brought to you in part by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission specific mitigation techniques. These guys are trained for like 60 days and they want to protect your children and protect private schools. We're working towards getting them in public schools, too. But they've already had a phone call and said, hey, uh, my kid goes to a private school. I want you involved. That's Herald Group Security Solutions. They make your children safer. We've heard of the tragedies. Let's eliminate them. HeraldGRP.com. They provide security for private schools, soon to be public schools. Herald Group Security Solutions. So, Josh, do do your listeners, ours don't, but do your listeners factor in that Cooper brings, Cooper Mays, if he's in, in the lineup this year, brings a calming 
influence brings uh, 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 an organizational influence from handling the line calls, or is it just, man, that Joe Milton's really terrible? I mean, I guess I'll ask the group. Okay, so Josh, if you have, what would you grade, Jared? What would you grade, Jared? Uh, Joe Milton did at this point. Just um, overall A, B, C, D, E, F grade. Say uh, C. Caleb, he's made, he's made some good plays, but he's he's not made nearly enough. Caleb, yeah, I'd say C in the sense that he, he's. I'd say C because of his pocket presence. Again, I don't think he's taking advantage of his strength and his legs and his ability to run the way he should. Okay, I'll say C too. Does anybody disagree that he's a B at least if Cooper Mays is in there all month? Josh, I'll start with you. Joe would definitely have a chance to be that. Um, so no no injury, no no problem. Cooper's just out there playing. Nothing happened. No, nothing. Yeah, I I don't know how lot how my confidence is that that's the case, but if if you tried to sell me on it, I'm sure I'd buy. Okay, Caleb, am I crazy? I think I think he'd stay at C. I don't think his stat line would be much different. I think it's just the running game in general would have been better against Florida if Cooper Mays were in there. I think Tennessee would have ran the ball a lot better. Yeah, part of the and, issue here again, I know I've mentioned already, is that the competition's been so awful. So for for us to have this conversation after these kinds of games, I mean, this is. This is as weak of a non-conference schedule as I can remember Tennessee playing. Virginia is not a Power 5-level opponent. I know what conference they play in, but they're not Power 5 quality. FCS team and then a UTSA team that's reeling, didn't have their quarterback. So, uh, And then Florida, yeah, I think Florida's an, a, a pretty good team, but that's at best. A, a tough road environment, but that was also a terrible overall performance. So yeah, that that's part of the concern. That's why getting it fixed has to happen very quickly because after this week is when the competition really heats up. This is a great chance. It's a night game at home. I'm saying something that everybody knows you guys know very well. This is, this is the spot against a team that that's been terrible defensively. So if it, if it doesn't happen this week, if it's not better than a C performance at home against South Carolina, then I, I have no confidence that we're seeing a B or, or better level of play the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree with what Darla said. Come on, look at Tennessee's schedule so far. It's a joke, and it is. I, I feel like we're talking about an NFL team, Josh, that's 0-1 after three good preseason outings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and not even good preseason outings. There was one bad one, <laughs> Austin P. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, because the, remember the talk leading up to that game that we were all having is, okay, Here's what Tennessee will do. Can they score 50? Can they score 60? When does Nico get in? How much time will he get? Will he get a, a whole second half? And he didn't get to play because the first team offense was so bad. As I mentioned in the article, as we continue to talk about, that wasn't all Joe, but Joe was part of it for sure. And if he had played better, they score more points and have more success. So others need to step up. And it was that game, right, where Jabari Small had a bad third down drop. Heaton had a fumble. Uh the, the drop I mentioned by Dante Thornton. So other players have to step up and they have to be better. That includes the offensive line for sure. Uh, that includes the uh, the receivers helping Joe out at times. But I just, I mentioned the, the article as well. I think it's crazy that he has th the strongest arm in the country playing in this offense, which can be the most explosive in the nation. And he's last in the SEC in yards per attempt. And my thought was, okay, well, maybe it's because of so many quick passes uh, to the outside in the screen game. He's 11th in the SEC in completion percentage. That just can't be all on everybody else. 
Josh, I know it's the next game. We say it's the most important game. And if you and I, and when we have done a show uh, with regularity, I'm, I'm usually the one that's outlandish and you bring me back to the earth. But so you may have to do so right now. So I think this is the most important game right now on Tennessee's football schedule, because if they lose this game, they're going to be underdogs against Alabama and Georgia. We discussed this earlier. It's also huge in recruiting because if you can win in the Carolinas, you can win a national championship. Tennessee proved that in 98. And I believe this is a monster, monster game for Tennessee. And is that hyperbole or am I right? I think it is. Um, I think I think it's more because of the timing and the schedule, but also the opponent. Because if Tennessee loses this game and they've played two real opponents and they're 0 and 2, and the one where they're a big favorite at home in a night game where everybody's amped up and the environment is all on Tennessee side and they can't win it, you know how long the next two weeks are going to be leading up to the Texas A&M game? And will there be an opportunity to right the wrong? Sure. That's not a great one. Not a great opportunity. So uh, if if it were Georgia week, I wouldn't say it's as important because Tennessee would be the underdog going into this game. So a loss would be expected. And then we'd look at future games, say, oh, well, they got South Carolina coming up. And uh, I, I saw the comment, uh, Carolina's a good team. They've had a brutal schedule. Carolina has been tested a lot more than Tennessee. And they're an OK team, I think. I think. Um, I think they're a real opponent that Tennessee better be ready for, better than Austin P, better than UTSA, no doubt about that, and, and obviously Virginia. But this is one Tennessee just has to have. And people will happily forget very quickly. Nobody's going to care about 11-2 and two last year if Tennessee's 0-2 in the SEC. So the next two weeks will be rough, and the season could get rougher because the competition is tougher after this Saturday. So got to win this one. Great column off the hooksports.com. Look for uh, Josh's column on the guys that need to step up. Can't thank you enough. Josh, have a blessed day, sir. Hey, you got it. Thanks a lot, guys. He is Josh Ford of WNML. His appearance brought to you in part by City Heating and Air Conditioning 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Don't trust a fly-by-night HVAC company to tell you that you need a new unit when you could save thousands Support our advertisers. We greatly appreciate it. And they're right down below, no matter where you're watching or viewing. Yeah, Caleb, this isn't your run-of-the-mill game. You know, a Tennessee beaten Florida, then you could say they could perhaps slip up in a game versus a South Carolina or an A&M or, or somebody else. But in games that they're double-digit favored as, you cannot – I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, from an an overall program uh, integrity standpoint, you can't slip up in in this game. You just can't. I'm going to say this, and I haven't said this yet, but I I, I thought about it more as we've talked the South Carolina game. Dave, you you remember before spring practice when you changed your tune after spring practice because of Joe Milton, but you were making predictions back in the winter that Nico would take the job in October. Well... September the 30th is Saturday. That's Tennessee's last game in September. If they lose to Joe Milton, I mean, if they lose to South Carolina and Joe Milton looks like he's looked through the first four weeks, like so inconsistent, you might be closer to your prediction than you even, than you even thought. Because I don't think, I don't think the coaches can withstand the onslaught of demands for Nico at that point. Do you? You know, it's so funny you brought that up because I was thinking that this morning. I mean, w- what happens if you lose to South Carolina and you're 0 for 2 in the month against And the you got SEC? two weeks off again before your next game. 
Yeah. Imagine think, the calls. I think then the great unknown. Now, I, I have been told that Nico is ready to play. That if he had a step in, let's say there's an injury in the first quarter, that Tennessee would be just fine. But your point, which you've continually brought up that he needs to gain weight, is probably true as well. I didn't have an opportunity that uh, the conversation got cut short with somebody in Tennessee's program. But I, I will tell you this. He is ready from an X's and O's and handling the huddle to step in and play. Now, does he get hurt because he's too light? I don't know the answer to that question. And that has to be a concern. Now, you've said, which I disagree with respectfully, that you can get beat up and it can affect your mindset for the rest of your college career, which probably happened to Joey Matthews in 1998 when he went live in spring practice against Tennessee's 1998 national championship defense. But I think for the most part, for the most part, the true warriors will bounce back from things like that. And I think Nico is a true warrior. I, I agree. And that's where you want to test intangibles. I actually wanted to ask you about 98, funny enough, because you were covering the team. I saw not going to name it, but I saw a really dumb Twitter thread that was defending Joe Milton by saying, well, look at how team Martin started through the first five games in 98, which he did play poorly those first five games, but Tennessee started five and zero, and they played that. That was the toughest five game stretch to open the season in the history of Tennessee football. Whereas this is the easiest four game stretch to open the season in the history of Tennessee football. But Dave, you were there where I know there wasn't Twitter, but were there a lot of call-ins on radio shows calling to bench T Martin early in the season because of the no. way he was playing? No, because they won and they beat Florida. Here's the other thing that we know now that people didn't know back then is the playbook was so limited. And don't forget, he had the key run against Syracuse. So I don't know what his stat line was, but just off the top of my head, he, he would have to get a B-plus or A, uh, even though the offensive playbook was so limited because they didn't trust him yet, which frustrated him. They beat Florida with a very conservative game plan, made plays on defense. And no, I, I, I don't remember any of those calls whatsoever. Who would Tennessee have gone to? Joey Matthews. I, that's the thing. There was no backup quarterback. I just think it was the all. And your four no. And here's the other thing too. So we're kind of, it's 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 two different things. It's apples and oranges because you have to ask Joe Milton to do more in this offense than you had to ask T Martin to do in that offense. So there's more onus on T Martin or on uh, Joe Milton than there was on T Martin, even though T Martin wanted more onus. If that makes right. Sense. The only time I think there might have been a question, though, was it was the Auburn game where T. Martin goes to Auburn. If you remember, T. Martin played horrible in that Auburn game. Tennessee won because of the Sean Ellis pick six and then the defense, remember, stopping Auburn four times on like the one foot line and they went 17 to nine. But T. Martin doesn't do anything in that game. And then Jamal Lewis goes down for the year right before Georgia. So I feel like between Auburn and Georgia, just that one week, I wonder how many questions there were about T. Martin at that point. Because you're thinking, oh, you're going to need him more now with Jamal gone. Uh, Rocky Top song, Tom says, Joe C., if Joe has the worst game ever on Saturday, it's incredibly too late to insert Nico at this point. The Cupcake games would be perfect to put him in, transition him, and get him ready. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to defend my guy, Caleb with a piece of information that I was told they're splitting the snaps, the first team snaps 50, 50. Okay. So don't, I mean, usually it's like 70, 30. So don't. And I got a history lesson for Rocky top Tom for that question. Who did Peyton Manning get his first start against? 
Auburn? Anybody know? No. 1994 against a 3-0 top 25 Mike Price-led Washington State team that had the number one defense in the nation. That was Peyton Manning's first start. Man. You're telling me you got to give freshman quarterbacks cupcakes? Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, here's one from Darla. Darla, who is the third string uh, quarterback asking what happens if we lose both quarterbacks? You don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, I love Gaston Moore. I love Navy Shuler. I think they're great individuals. But this is a team that went into this season with two quarterbacks. And that's going to be the new mantra uh, nowadays because – quarterbacks are going to transfer if they can't play the old days of having three or four quarterbacks that can go out there and play they're over I mean coaches used to tell me all the time you want a quarterback in every class well that sounds great but it was stupid back then it wasn't going to happen because guys knew that you already had a good quarterback room T Martin the exception of the rule came to play behind Peyton Manning and you're not going to have that anymore guys are going to cruise on out Uh, I mean if if Joe Milton were lighting it up right now, okay, if he if he had a 180 quarterback rating like Cam Newton does instead of 140, which we tried to compare Cam Newton and Joe Milton yesterday, there's a big difference in the way they throw the football. But if he had a 180 quarterback rating and led the SEC, you know what the conversation would be right now, Caleb? Heisman? <laughs> that and – do you think Nico might want to transfer? I mean, you think he's upset or something? I mean, I know Joe's gone after this year, but um, every single quarterback that is a, uh, a a freshman or sophomore or junior that is behind a quarterback that is a sophomore or a junior is thinking in the back of their heads, I can always transfer if this goes south. Rocky Top Thomas and Love. Look at him. Love you, John C. You the man. By the way. Yeah, uh, I still have to push back on Rocky Top Tom uh, because uh, it was Washington State and Washington they played. Hmm? Fight, fight. I'm ready to fight. Washington State going into that Tennessee game had beaten UCLA, who, by the way, beat Tennessee to open the season that year. And they beat Illinois, a top 25 team at that point. So they were 3-0 with two top 25 wins, including a win over one team that beat Tennessee. So... Oh, as far as my third string quarterback comment, Darla says, oh my, oh my. Here's what happens if they get to the third string quarterback. You give Josh Heupel a total pass and pretend 2023 never happened. And next year will be his third year that you can truly judge him. If and then they he lose doesn't have an offensive line, so then it's great. <laughs> if they lose both quarterbacks, uh, that ain't happening. Can Cam um, or can, uh, but can Cam throw an orange over 130 yards? I don't think so, but maybe he can because we know that Joe Milton uh, can. So coming up next, um, we got this Dan Lanning, Deion Sanders, Colorado, Lou Holtz, Ryan Day firing at each other. Does the sport need more of this? Yes, I love it. I would love for Josh Heupel to take a shot at somebody. And also we've got some gambling picks as my guy, Caleb Calhoun, is going to make you money. You give us two minutes, we give you the world right after this. Stay tuned off the hook sports. Our family has been creating one of a kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. 
Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Folks, Rick Terry Jewelry Design, they do such great work. They can create a masterpiece for you. But I also want to tell you this. They do jewelry design, and they do it fantastically well. But if you're looking for something for your loved one, and I know we're primarily probably male-centered here, but we love you, Darla, uh, for being online. Uh, you need to go to RickTerryJewelryDesign.com because they have the Fire Opals, and they're very affordable game day jewelry, uh, a Tennessee tradition. The game day jewelry, the Fire Opals, Rick Terry jewelry.com rickterryjewelry.com they want to be your jeweler and affordable game day jewelry is pretty darn awesome so um please check them out support our sponsors and let them know that you heard about it uh from off the hook and we greatly appreciate that it is time for Four downs, and we're going to talk a little bit of trash talking which I love if I could change anything about Josh Heupel, it would be a little bit more trash talking. There we go. Four downs now is brought to you by our friends at Sports Treasures. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. So give me some background if you can, Caleb. We got Dan Lanning and Deion Sanders going at each other. We got Lou Holtz and Ryan Day going at each other publicly. That's what's different. Don't think for a second that Josh Heupel doesn't hate Eli Drinkwitz, and he does at Missouri. 
And don't think for a second he didn't run the score up last year because he hates Eli, I need a new haircut, Drinkwitz. So my question is, questions with four downs, is going to be all about trash talking. And uh, Cooper Mays first will tell you that you need to do this. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. And turn your notifications on. We're almost a big number on YouTube, so please subscribe. If you haven't, tell a friend today. We'd greatly appreciate it. Um, what's happening with Dan Lanning and Deion Sanders? Give me a backdrop before we start rocking with the four downs. Brought to you by our friends at Sports Treasures. Carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow them on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Ball stuff everywhere. They had a Hendon Hooker sign helmet. It's awesome. Go to Facebook Sports Treasures TN. Caleb, give me some backdrop on Dan Lanning and Deion Sanders. Okay, so starting with Lanning and Sanders, they're not as much going at each other. It's more about people going at Dan Lanning for what he said about Colorado. So, for those who didn't see the pregame speech, Dan Lanning said, they're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. Which I always joke was hypocritical because Oregon was is literally built their program based on clicks with the jerseys. But, sure, whatever. Um, he defended himself afterwards basically talking about like, you know, you're taking a 15 second clip and saying he respects Dion and things like that. But Colorado turned out to be doing a lot of trash talking before the game. They did something Georgia did to Tennessee in 1999, which is Colorado players went to midfield where the C where the O is and like started dusting on it and like scratching it and jumping on it. You had some players trash talking saying, I think Shador Sanders or it was it Dion's other son that basically said, you know, they were going to knock you out, and then that player got knocked out of the game. And so Oregon released a video on Tuesday, a five-minute video just talking, bragging about how they shut down Colorado. And in it, they included all the Colorado trash talk before the game, which led to Dan Lanning saying they're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. So okay. let me ask you this. In the end, Dion was talked about. So what down, Coop? Coop here, first down. We're talking about it. Did Dion win that verbal battle? Just because we're talking about it, he didn't win the game, but we're talking about it. I don't think he won the verbal battle. I don't think he lost it, though. I don't think it hurt Dion. I just think it helped Dan Lanning in Oregon. I think it helped Dan Lanning in Oregon to say, hey, we're here, too, and we're running the show right now. And now you got, I mean, for the record, also to defend Dan Lanning, is no different than Tennessee back in the day. And they probably still do saying we don't give a you know what about the whole state of this program that from the that that we just beat us from you know so i think dion believes that any publicity is good publicity i think he believes that he won that battle and i tend to agree with him in the pr sense he came out and he was very smart about the way he said that his players didn't play like he thought they would but that's all on me as coaches it wasn't like the butcher throw in um, his players under the bus. I say Dion won that battle. Second down, Coop. Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. Give me the next situation where we've got some Lou Holtz talk. By the way, uh, I believe the only uh, one of, oh, let's say one of five coaches to dog cuss me is Lou Holtz. Uh, <laughs> I've tried to do a picture with his accent. Can you do a Lou Holtz impression? I can do a little bit. Um, so after the interview, I didn't know that he just had 10 minutes. So we went like 12 or 15, but a good five minutes of it was talking about his wife and she was battling cancer at the time and how I would keep him in my thoughts and prayers and that sort of thing. 
And at the end, I wish I'd have kept recording, but I hit the stop button. He goes, this is just ridiculous. He said, I said I had eight minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it was. And you went 15 minutes. People just taking advantage and it's terrible. And uh, this is awful. This is what's wrong with media. And uh, I can't remember if he actually cursed or not, but it felt like he did. So uh, what's, <laughs> going on, what's going on with, Le- and I couldn't understand what he said. Um, Lou is <laughs> such a great guy. Uh, he could whip anyone's butt. No, he couldn't. Um, I could take Lou Holtz. So, and I could at the time. Um, so what's going on with Lou Holtz? Okay. So Lou Holtz last week ahead of the Notre Dame, Ohio state game. And we know Lou Holtz is a Notre Dame homer, but he said, Notre would have Dame never Holtz. left Notre Dame. If Randy Moss could have gotten in school for the record. I could see that. Um, said that Notre Dame's the better football team. He said they're the tougher football team. Ryan Day came out after the game. And the first thing he said, literally moments after Ohio State won. By the way, Notre Dame was the tougher team in that game. Ohio State was lucky to get that win. And I think you agree with me on that, Dave. Like, Notre Dame was the tougher team in that game. They just were poorly coached at the end of the game. I agree. And Mookie Mountain Red said, what I, w- I would have replied, F off, <laughs> then lose. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of those moments that you have a great comeback like two minutes after. And I had that comeback, but I was so stunned I got cursed by Lou Holtz that it, it kind of – it kind of took me off my game. Go ahead. Okay, so what happened is Ryan Day said, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now after the win. He said, what he said about our team, I can't believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world. By the way, I also hate it when people say that. You're Ohio State. You're a blue blood. It's not you against the world, okay? Stop. I hate when people – it's like when the first-round draft pick plays well, and they're like, nobody believed I could do this. No, everybody believes you could do it. Just shut up, okay? (laughs) But – that always annoys me. But Lou Holtz came back and said, that's his choice. Uh, he doesn't want to talk about Michigan because he's 0-2 against Michigan. <laughs> he's a great coach, which he's not 0-2. He's won a couple of games. He's done a great job. But he Lou Holtz then pointed out how the flow of the game went and that Notre Dame was the better football team and more physical in the game. So Ryan Day, Lou Holtz going at it. Dan Lanning firing people, firing his team up, saying Colorado's all about clicks. Dion being Dion. You just got a lot of chirping going on in Colorado. I love it. You know? So in second down... I ask you this question, Lou Holtz, was he the worst college football commentator in the history of broadcast? The answer is yes. I mean, there was another Notre Dame coach who I wasn't as big of a fan of um, who followed him, his successor, uh, Bob Davey. Oh, God, he was bad, too. But (laughs) Lou Holtz was everywhere, so that was the problem. He was everywhere, and he was bad. I agree. I agree. He was respected for his like coaching stops. He's kind of like, and and got one national title out of it, which congratulations, 1988, you got your one national title. But I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of seen as like some sort of like Mount Rushmore, which he's not. But good gravy. If you saw that team that played in Neyland stadium and the talent they had and the miracle at South Bend, he should have had two or three national championships. He's kind of along those lines of a, uh, oh, who is the coach who just had one we were just talking about yesterday that should have had more? Ah, if you remember, uh, tell me. What down, Coop? Tennessee center, Cooper Mays here. Third down. Ryan Day, is he insecure? And should every coach be insecure that coaches one of the premier programs in the nation? Because there's not a great football team right now in the nation, period. 
end of discussion. There's not a great one. Every coach should be insecure. There is not a great football team that's dominant right now. I think a little bit of insecurity, you're right, exists in every coach and should. I think that I don't want to say you should tune out like the noise. I think coaches like I hate it. When, I, I think it matters that coach. I think it helps coaches to like take what's that old school thing. Tune out the noise and focus on what you can do. How did Michael Jordan become the greatest player ever? He did not tune out the noise. He used the noise as a motivating factor for him to take things personal. Sure. And, yeah, but he also did. He didn't say it publicly, though. Oh, no, he just said it to their face, like in the game. Yeah, and he them. said it behind closed doors. I think to come out and say it like Ron did, Ron Day did, I think he's I think he's insecure about his team. Oh, I agree because he's worried that this is the only way he can get headlines as opposed to actually winning a national title. Well, and uh, forgive kind of like the quarterback he had last year, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, I think is a little bit. I think he was a little bit better than you and I particularly gave him Maybe. credit for. He's looking that way early in the NFL, but I mean, how, how many quarterbacks have we seen look good their first two weeks in the NFL? And then, oh, I agree, I agree. I'm not, I'm not completely jumping off my cj stroud is average bandwagon but i'm got a foot off let's put it that way um by the way tennessee cider company the original cider company before we get to fourth down of the smoky mountains use the promo code hat to receive some free swag uh you can order almost anywhere in the united states and if you use the promo code hat you get a free hat to go with any order of the delicious cider and we're working on having a cider named after me i'm just i think that would be cool just an off the hook cider, wouldn't that be sweet? A hooker yeah. cider would be great. Yes, I've had a I've had a hooker uh, sushi roll, and I've had a hooker margarita. So I think this is the next step in the progression. I think I think it's it's a natural fourth down. All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Would you like Josh Heifel to be more of a talker? Because H, yes, I would. Bleep, yes, yeah. I would. Yeah, I'd like I'd like a little spurrier in him, um, you know, just Heifel, hype. Because here's the thing with Heifel, he you bring it up, he exudes cockiness, even though he doesn't say anything. Like he exudes cockiness and confidence more than most coaches. But he it's it's a weird thing because like Spurrier exuded it, but then Spurrier had his mouth, and so you kind of knew that he was a little cocky. But Josh Heifel's I, like James Bond. James Bond comes into a room and you know he has confidence. You know he could take most everybody in the room and and not fighting, but from an offensive schematic standpoint. But he's just quiet. Hypel. Josh Hypel. That's how he is. And he doesn't come out and call people out. He takes the brunt of it. He says, it's it's my fault. I'll fix it. He doesn't throw his players under the bus. He is the James Bond of uh, college football coaching. What about that analogy? You didn't see that one coming at the 3.45 a.m. production meeting, did you? No, that's a great one. If he's the James Bond, who's the Austin Powers? And I mean, a total goofball who's treated as some sort of genius. Shane Beamer. <laughs> No, no one's, no one's sitting there saying when Shane Beamer speaks, I listen. No, I'm saying like, because, you know, the whole joke was Austin Powers had no swag, but was getting all the girls. It was a spoof off James Bond. So who is the guy that is treated with reverence and doesn't deserve it because he's a total like just. I don't know. Let's get on the message board. Who is that guy? Uh, okay. Yeah. Who is that guy? It's it's not. 
Oh, wow. I hate to say it, rest in peace, but it might have been Mike Leach because I don't think he was an offensive innovator. I think he copied an offense from how Mummy and ran it and wasn't very flexible. But I don't want to talk about those that have passed away. Lane Kiffin, I would disagree. I think that he is adjustable. I think he has changed his offense over the year uh, years. I think it's Shane Beamer being a goofball with all the he's nobody looks yeah, at but nobody him. in the media is like when Shane Beamer speaks. I listen. They did two SEC media days ago because he dropped all the you know he came out with the gold chain and the the picture the eyeglasses and all that stuff. So they kind of did. What? It, oh, wait, I got one. <laughs> Is it, could it be uh, Bobby Petrino? This, whenever he talks offense, we listen. Ooh, but his offense is that good. Yeah, and he's got a penchant for the ladies. <laughs> he does, he does. And then also, I would say, I don't know if it's a, this would have been, this would have applied seven years ago. I don't know if it applies now, but there was a point Chip Kelly was in this list. Hmm. Chip Kelly's odd to me because I think he was like how mommy and Mike Leach. I think he was ahead of the game, but then didn't adjust. So, okay. yeah, I think he's very similar in that he was way ahead of the game and then the game caught up to him and he didn't adjust. Gambling picks are right now and they're brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. Also, Chattanooga Mortgage. Congratulations, your home search just got easier. Buying a home in Chattanooga has never been easier than Chattanooga Mortgage. Go to chat with two T's mortgage.com. That's chat with two T's mortgage.com. Also, shout out to our friends at Meridian Insurance covering your world. I save like a couple of hundred bucks a month. Uh, are you paying too much for insurance? Probably so. You can click right below for a free quote. Shanda has you covered.com. Shanda has you covered.com. In these times where the uh, inflation's crazy, uh, an extra hundred bucks or 200 bucks in your pocket because of your insurance is a pretty nice thing to have. Gambling picks brought to you by Zen Sports are now Caleb Calhoun. So you get me started. If I agree, then it will be Hank Kingsley telling me, hey now. Or if I disagree, it'll be Tracy Morgan saying, that's crazy. All right. What do we got? Well, first of all, 20 and nine last week, guys. Are you putting your glasses on? 20 (laughs) and nine? 20 and nine? Two and one? We are 52 and 37 on the year. I am balling. All right. So let's go this week. What is Caleb? I'm your huckleberry. That's right. He is your huckleberry. (laughs) All right. What do you got? Give me rolling. All right, so we got a Friday night matchup that's kind of intriguing, a top 25 one. It's Oregon State. It's Utah at Oregon State. Utah's three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm going to take Utah to cover Utah plus three-and-a-half and the under. I've been betting against Utah for two weeks because Cam Rising's hurt. That defense is good. No, I agree, and they're the most physical team west of the Mississippi. Hey, now. So I will yep. take Utah. All right, Kentucky, Florida, go. Next one. Every model is saying pick Florida to cover and even pull the upset. I'm going opposite. And here's why. Dave, you taught me about this. Florida practices at night. Kentucky practices in the morning. This is a noon game with Kentucky at home. Advantage Kentucky. And and that's the advantage Florida had over Tennessee, by the way, with it being a night game. And so I'm going Kentucky to cover and win. And I'm going with the under because I think Florida's offense will just be a disaster. 
Interesting one. I'm going to disagree. That's crazy. I think Kentucky's actually a better football team and will win. Well, I said Kentucky will win. That was my point. Oh, okay. Well, then. I said they'll cover. Yeah, Kentucky covers. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, Kentucky covers the one-point spread and the under 44. All right. Arkansas, Texas A&M. Arkansas take plus six and a half. Go all in on this. Plus six and a half, Arkansas. This game is always close. And Texas A&M just lost their quarterback for the year. Hey, now. It's an old Southwest Conference um, uh, rivalry game. I think that means a lot to the fans. Doesn't mean a lot to the players who weren't born when the Southwest Conference was around, but they'll hear about it all week. So, uh, yeah, I'll six and a half in favor of Texas A&M is insane. That's way too big of a spread. Yeah, especially since they're going to slow down the clock. I mean, the two teams might not score 20 points combined. All right. Uh, and then we get to Auburn, Georgia. Uh, Auburn is going to cover the 14 and a half point spread. And I'm going to take the under in this one, 45 and a half, because Hugh Freeze's offense is not going to score much against Georgia. And Georgia's offense is not going to score much against anybody. So yeah. Auburn's covered. I'm with you. Georgia plays down to competition. Texas, Kansas. I got, I, by the way, this is a top 25 game. Kansas is one of those basketball blue bloods undefeated, along with Kentucky and Louisville and North Carolina and Duke. <laughs> but. I got Texas covering the 16 and a half point spread. They won this game last year, 55 to 14. They're at home this year and they're better. And I think you take the over because I think the offense is going to roll. I think Texas should be in the conversation of teams that could win a national championship. I'm close to that. So I will agree. Hey now. All right. Vanderbilt, Missouri. All right. Missouri has two quality wins under their belt. The best resume in the SEC funny, but you know them. They like, they're so unpredictable. Them going to Vanderbilt. And so is Vanderbilt. I feel like Vanderbilt, May will lose, but it'll be like a one-score ugly game, and I'll take the under. I hate to say it, but I think Missouri covers that number. That's crazy. So Tracy Morgan agrees with me. All right, what do we got up uh, next? All right, LSU Ole Miss. LSU minus two and a half. I'm taking that all day. I think they blow out Ole Miss, and I'm taking the under 67.5 because Ole Miss scored 10 points last week. I don't think they're going to score that much more this week. Hey now. Frustration setting in at Ole Miss and talking to some people around the SEC, uh, the Rebels might be the disappointment team of the conference. Don't be surprised if that happens. And I think LSU has not played its best this year, which has gotten their attention. But I think LSU does win and win easily. Notre Dame at Duke, my now, instinct I will is- say this. I would disagree with you on the under because I think LSU wants to add points and not necessarily to run up the score, but to fine tune that offense. Don't be. Surprised. Oh no. I think, I think LSU will score. I just don't think Ole Miss crosses 14 points. Agreed. Uh, but I could, I could easily see this. I, I could see LSU scoring 45, 50 and um, I could see Ole Miss being in the 14 to 16 range. If Ole Miss scores 16, LSU needs at least 52 to win. To, to cut for the over so Agreed. wow you're going wow big you're you're betting on lsu I think, huge I on that LSU, i think lsu wins big all right so i don't i my advice is don't bet this game but by by dave's contractual obligation i have to bet every top 25 game so i'm doing it um because i don't know but it's notre dame at duke and i'm taking notre dame minus six but i'm taking the under because of marcus freeman's defense but i don't want to bet this game that's crazy i'll take duke big game on campus 
Walking into a buzzsaw, I think they'll keep it close. I do love the under. Tennessee, South Carolina, do we want to save that for last? Yeah, I got. we'll save it for last. That's fine. Okay. Um, af- right after that, Alabama at Mississippi State, Alabama minus 14 and a half, under 46.5. Alabama showed last week they're going to win with really, really good defense, old school. Think like a 27 to 3 game, something like that. Hey now. Agreed. Picks of the week, the ones that actually make you money. You've got three. Tell me what you got. All right. USC at Colorado. I did the I did the under with Colorado, Oregon last week. I am the under 73 and a half for USC and Colorado. Even if USC scores a lot, I don't think Colorado can move the ball on elite defenses. And I'm not saying USC's defense is elite, but it's good enough. Hey now. Hey now on the under, but that's crazy. I think uh, Colorado uh, covers the 21 and a half point spread, which I know is not your key bet, but I think they'll bounce back and play better than most people think. Then Arkansas, Texas A&M. Yep. All in guys, Arkansas plus six and a half. This is the easiest sec bet of the week. They're not going to lose by a touchdown to Texas A&M. It's not going to happen. There he goes. He's feeling it. All right. Syracuse Clemson. This is the worst line of the week. Nationally. Syracuse is undefeated. They're bringing, they're welcoming Clemson to town. Clemson is two and two. You know, morale is low with that program right now. They've all but quit on the season to be out of the playoff race in September. And they just suffered a tough overtime loss. You think they're going to be up for this game against a team on the road. That's in the top 25 and undefeated. I think my, I might take Syracuse money line. There you go. All right. Lastly, we, uh, we have the balls. So let's uh, talk a little bit of balls and what you see of this game. I'm not going to give my official pick, but I will give you, my pick in terms of what I believe happens in this game. So right now the number seems to have settled at 12 Tennessee, a 12 point favorite versus South Carolina. The over is 63 and a half. You like Tennessee minus the 12. You like the over. Why? I think Tennessee figured out some kinks on offense last week that they finally have realized how the best way to maximize Joe Milton's potential. South Carolina, we talk about how they're the Tennessee hasn't been tested by elite defenses by, this year at all. South Carolina is still worse with their past defense than maybe anybody Tennessee's faced this year. <laughs> and that's crazy to say. So Tennessee should be able to air it out easily on South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to air it out on Tennessee, which is why I'm going the over. So the difference, I think, is Tennessee will at least get a couple of possessions stopped on a pass rush where they can – force a turnover here or there, which is why, I mean, Dave, I'm looking at like a 56 to 42 type of game for Tennessee to win. I'm not going to get my official pick quite yet, um, but I will tell you, I think Tennessee will be able to control the line of scrimmage offensively. And that means a lot because they haven't at times this year. I think that I'm leaning towards Tennessee covering that 12 and I think that uh, the balls will play really well against South Carolina. I didn't feel confident they play well against Florida. Uh, but in the end, is Joe Milton going to have your, your, you picking Tennessee to win by 12 is based off one thing and one thing only. Joe Milton can't have a streak where he goes one for eight or one for six. If that happens, then South Carolina stays in the game because it throws off Tennessee's tempo and the rhythm completely. So basically you're betting on Joe Milton, whether you like it or not. Yes. And if he lets me down, 
he won't have to answer to me. He'll have to answer to Josh Ward's callers for two weeks because there's no game next week. And the Nico talk will explode. Well, even if they win by if they win by 10, it's not going to the Nico talk's not going to explode. But if he has the one for eight streak, you think it explodes? Right. If he has no, 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 I'm, streak and I'm not saying they, no, I'm not saying if they I'm not I'm saying if Tennessee I, no, no, I'm not talking about whether or not Tennessee covers. I'm saying in gen, this is just at this point, I'm talking win or lose. If Tennessee were to lose to South Carolina and Joe Milton has the one for eight streak, I don't think he comes back from it. I think, I I don't think, I don't think there's a possible way for Joe Milton to bounce back for that, Dave. I'm going to be honest. Interesting. Uh, SC scout guy, and we love his input, says, I think South Carolina is uh, going to come out throwing and attacking that secondary fast. I think the plan will be to score and score as fast as they can. Well, nobody says they want to score as slow as they can. But I do think Tennessee's secondary is vulnerable, and I think this whole game is stressed on Joe Milton. I think it's incredibly simple. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Those picks brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. And I will tell you right now, Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. You've got to check out Zen Sports on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash awards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month. After that, refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume. That's cash rewards too. Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789 must be 21 or over and in Tennessee to bet. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. We appreciate you. Like, subscribe, turn your notifications on. Leave us a review as well on the Spotify and the Apple and all that good stuff. And thanks for being a part of our program, which airs live at 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker, Off the Hook Sports.